are Kids Own Elementary. I'm the director. My name is Bethany Belk. And we have a song that we're going to do for you guys today. But while they're getting up here, I just wanted to tell you guys a little bit about what we're doing from six weeks to sixth grade. And what I think is the coolest thing is that at the end of this year, our kids will have gone through the entire Bible in four years. And I'm not just talking about like the big stories, because you're probably thinking it took y'all four years to walk through the Bible. But I mean, we are literally taking apart every part of the Bible, the the temple and why that matters to them now, learning about the Ark of the Covenant and people like Enoch and just stories of things in the Bible that they are understanding and learning why it matters to them, right? So when they get older and they're reading the Bible, they can remember, you know what? It's not like half of the Bible doesn't apply to me anymore at all. We can get something from every single part of it. And it's really, really cool. And I want to encourage you that if you know a kid in your neighborhood or in your family who is not in a Bible-believing church that is teaching them the Word of God on their level, you need to get them here because they are learning things like what we're about to do, the armor of God. We learn scripture to music so that they are hiding it in their heart. And so when hard things come today, we're learning about fear and how we can get it out of our lives, they can remember, you know what? My God is in control. My God is who he says he is, and he can do abundantly more than we could ever ask for. And I want these kids to grow up knowing that they are a child of God. They have a purpose. They are chosen. And so that's what we learn up in Kids Zone. Literally starting at six weeks with the babies when they're changing their diapers, they're praying over them, speaking the word of God over them so that they can learn about who God is and the plan he has for them. And we got a bunch of kiddos up here today. And if you want to dance with us, you can. We're going to do the Armor of God song for you, though. And so as we finish getting the rest of them up here, y'all ready to show them what you know? Oh, yeah. So y'all smile big.
big hand. They did a great job, didn't they? Well, if they were geese, they'd be a gaggle of geese or they'd be a herd of children. What do you think? They did an awesome job. Why don't you stand to your feet with me? As the kids are leaving, we're going to take just a minute and kind of recap and take a moment to pray. But the last few weeks, we've been doing a series on Sundays called Unmasked. And it is, we've been endeavoring to take the mask off of evil, take the mask off of one who the Bible personifies as the root, the person behind all evil, Satan. He's called the devil. He's called Lucifer. He's called the God with the little g of this world. He's called the tempter. He's called the devourer. He's called the accuser of the brethren. And he is also called an angel of light. So the Bible teaches us that there are two realities. There's the world that we see... And there's the unseen world, the world that we see, we look at it under microscopes, telescopes can find it, we can quantify it, we can reason around it, but there's an unseen world that we cannot see. But how many know just because our eyes can't see it doesn't mean it's not real? My eyes can't see the oxygen in the air, but if I didn't have it, I would die. So we have been doing our best. A couple weeks ago, we looked at Satan's attack against us as an individual. His, his greatest tool was temptation. Last week we talked about how he tries to divide relationships through offenses. Offenses are things that make me angry or hurt my feelings and makes me build a wall. And we saw last week how to get around that through forgiveness and how Satan can be behind it. But uh, I just want to pray with this just a moment because this morning we're going to share about how we fight back against spiritual attacks. Now, not every problem I have is a spiritual attack, but some are. Some of the difficulties that face, face marriages. Sometimes a rebellious child can be prodded by an evil influence. Sometimes a sickness in our body. Uh, perhaps not all cases, but certainly the, there was a woman, 18 years. She had an affliction, and the Bible said Satan has bound this woman somehow as a cripple. So there's issues in our life. It could be uh, an attack against our money. It could be an attack against a church. Uh, uh, America's been under attack against it in terms of her spiritual roots and foundations. So this, this morning, I want to do my best to share with you from the Bible about the Bible says how we fight back in the place of prayer and about how we're able to discern and, and, and address evil. Well, Lord, today we, we want to simply say, first of all, thank you that we're alive. Thank you that your goodness is on every side today. What a joy seeing those kids. Lord, knowing that they're being taught your word at an early age. And uh, I just want to pray, Lord, that the next few moments are very special for all of us. I just pray that God would help us to be able to figure out and sort out the world that we live in a little bit better. To know what's just kind of the natural course of life and what might be spiritual. And how there is indeed power when I pray. That my prayers can make a difference. So we welcome you today. We give you the right, the, the right on the tablet of our heart. In Jesus' name. And everybody say it. Amen. Hey, you may be seated. Tell your neighbor you're looking good today. And let's begin Daniel chapter 10. It's called Fight Back. We're going to look at Daniel 10 and we're going to look at Ephesians 6. 
And Daniel, I share this because it gives us very practical and deliberate insights into this unseen world. Now, the book of Daniel, when you think about him, the story, Daniel in the lion's den, his friend Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But where the book picks up about mid to the latter part of the, of the book of Daniel, Daniel is a prophet. He's, he's the governor of this pagan, pagan land, but he's also a prophet. He has visions about the future, and it's in the context of these visions that we share a passage this morning. Uh, Daniel is able to receive literally a vision, and an angel is somehow involved in this. But listen to the word, Daniel chapter 10, verse 11. And an angel, this is likely the angel Gabriel, an angel, uh, let's see, an angel said to, to Daniel, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God. Now what he's talking about, the first day that you begin to pray. You could read in this chapter, you see he's fasting, he's seeking the Lord in consecration. In the prior chapter, it says specifically he began to pray and seek the Lord about the future of the nation. And the scripture says, when you first started praying, God heard your words. And this angel said, I've come because of your words. So prayer was a catalyst to invite the Lord's participation. Verse 13, though, is where it gets interesting. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. 21 days. Now, I suggest to you that this is not, well, this is more than a suggestion. Uh, Virtually all commentators agree that this is not a literal person withstanding this angel, but this is a demonic being called the prince of the kingdom of Persia. And I want you to think this way. The Bible says there is like an angelic host. There's a, a, a demon, as it were, in the hierarchy of the demonic assigned over a nation in this case Persia, and his specific purpose was to stop the angel Gabriel from coming to show Daniel about the future so he could write the vision. How they had it, how they happened, I don't know. I don't know if angels know karate or taekwondo or or, uh, Krav Maga, but somehow they're battling in the heavens. And that's significant to pause just a moment. Do I believe that or do I not? Do I believe that there are, 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 God is real and Satan is real? Do I believe angels are real and demons are real? Do I believe this passage of Scripture talking about this angelic demonic warfare? Notice he continues now in verse 13. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, another archangel in the book of Jude, Michael's called an archangel, one of the chief princes or chief among angels came to help me. For I was left there with the kings, plural, of Persia. So somehow there's, there's a heavenly battle going on. God's forces are fighting against evil. And the purpose of Gabriel's coming, verse 14, was to make them understand what's going to happen to your people in the last days. Verse 20, uh, Gabriel says, I'm going to return now to fight against this prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. So there was a demon that was assigned over this region, the kingdom of Persia, over the kingdom of Greece. I would suggest to you that there are likely demons, high-level demons, assigned over America. Uh, The issues in our nation, all the struggles we're having, you look at immorality, you look at racism, you look at the violence in our land, you look at the secular turn of our nation... You look at you could not find a more strategic and deliberate plan than what we're seeing unfolding in the last twenty or thirty years to scour God from our nation's history. 
It is amazing when you go on the buildings of our Supreme Court in Washington, the Congress, everywhere you go throughout Washington, D.C., the words of God are inscribed in stone, and somehow someone has caused us to believe that there's something called separation of church and state, and you can't even pray in public. I mean, it's almost insane if you think about the lack of logic behind what we're seeing, but I suggest to you there are spiritual forces behind this. There are spiritual forces in Texarkana. Now, you can go on either extreme in this. Number one, you can believe that what I'm saying now is just garbly goop. You wish you'd have stayed at home on daylight savings time. Or you can look for a devil behind any bush and every pillar. Well, I don't think either are true, but somehow in the middle, Christians need to open our eyes to realize that some of the issues we face, be it in our city, be it in our nation, our individual lives, our churches, that there's a real influence of evil behind them. And that's, that's what we're talking about today. It's, but the Bible calls this spiritual warfare. Now, I want to go to the New Testament and spend all morning in eight verses with you today. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, because the principle you'll learn this morning is that spiritual battles can be won with persistent prayer. It's the song that the kids were singing this morning about the armor of God. Now, if you looked at this Roman soldier on the center screen, if they can find him there, there you go. If you look at that Roman soldier, you can see very clearly he has a, 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 a helmet on. The scripture will call it the helmet of salvation. So this is a, a spiritual metaphor of what you're seeing in this passage. Uh, the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, there's a belt around his truth that holds, uh, of truth holding everything together. His shoes, the scripture will call them like gospel shoes, the shoes to bring peace. He's got a shield and he's got a sword. And what the, the, the people in the day of the writing, Paul's writing, in the Roman Empire was the, was the, uh, the predominant uh, force in civil government. That's what their soldiers looked like. And now what he's saying is we want to look spiritually and see how God gives us spiritual armor to fight the battle of prayer. Now I want to read the eight verses first, uh, just go through it quickly, and then we'll go back verse by verse. But Ephesians 6 verse 10 says, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. You say, well, that's good. Well, how do I do that? Because this is in the context of spiritual battles. How do I find strength? And verse 11 says this, put on the whole armor of God. Now, this is more than just, you know, running to Walmart and buying you a Roman soldier costume. But spiritually, there is a, this, is a, this is a mindset. This is a, a, fa- a place where our faith is released. He says, put on the whole armor of God, and the purpose is, through this armor, you can stand against the what? Schemes of the devil. And now verse 12 reminds us, uh, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities. Think of four different descriptions of the demonic world. Rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So whether this depicts just four different terms, synonyms, describing this demonic uh, assault that's out there, or whether it's kind of a hierarchy in the demonic, one or the other. But verse 13, our response, take up the whole armor of God so you may be able to withstand in the evil day. So this idea that we're standing strong, it gives us the power to endure, but the power to win through this spiritual component God gives us. Verse 14, you see it about four times, stand therefore, and then he lists six things. He says, stand having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, on your shoes as shoes for your feet, put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, 
then all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all of the fiery darts of the evil one. That's big. And verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Literally the Bible, the spoken word of the Spirit of God. And then verse 18, here's where it's all going because I believe all six of these components from truth, from righteousness, from faith to the gospel, it's all so we can pray more effectively. So I think this whole passage is pointing to the place of prayer and it tells us the mindset of our prayer. It tells us the attitude and the tone of our prayer. I mean, you don't, you don't fight a demonic fight, a spiritual battle uh, in your marriage, come on, with sticks and stones and guns and knives. It's fought through the place of prayer. Now, uh, let me... Well, let me just go ahead. I'm going to reiterate this one more time so you can see it because it's a bit abstract. How we endure and win spiritual battles because we pray. Six things this passage teaches us. Number one, with truth. Everybody say truth. And truth is key. We'll talk about that. Number three, or number two, it talks about we have God's righteousness. What does that mean? The breastplate of righteousness Number three, we're motivated to spread the gospel. That's our shoes, our, our gospel shoes. Number four, we pray with faith, believing God will hear and God will answer. How many know you can pray with faith or you can pray without faith? You can just kind of go through a rhythm and be discouraged or your faith, not just an emotional response, but it can include emotion. Number five, we're saved, the helmet of salvation. That is, we're delivered from Satan's kingdom and we're adopted in God's family. It's a position that I, that I pray from. And then number six, where it talks about the Word of God, it has spiritual power. And all six of these things are so we can pray more effectively, so we can pray in, 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 with endurance. Now, some of you today, I can virtually guarantee you, are convinced you're under a spiritual attack. It can be in your marriage. It can be in your home. Uh, it can be in your mind. I'm probably going to do one more message in this series, and, it, and it, it's possibly going to be about our mind because the Bible tells us that there's a battle, our, our mind is a battleground, that we're to take every thought captive, uh, that you could have a spiritual attack against your finances. And again, not every financial problem is, is the devil. I understand that. I mean, if you go out and you charge your credit card up too much and you can't pay it, that's not the devil's fault. Come on, that's your fault. But there are spiritual things that's going on. Uh, and, and when we pray, it's very important the way that I pray. And if I could share anything with you, the tone of my prayer, you can pray like this. Well, God, it's me again. I don't have any money. I don't feel good. Sick. My wife doesn't want to stay with me, and the dog even left me. So... You know, if you could help a little bit, I sure would appreciate it. I've been going to church a long time. Now, you just had a conversation with God, but, but do you think it might be better if you went to prayer like this? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you're alive and real and that you love me. That you are my Father and I'm your Son because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That I'm not a spiritual orphan any longer and all my sins have been forgiven. And you told me that if I would call unto you, you would answer me and show me great and mighty things. And I want to thank you today, Lord, that the Scripture says that, that because I've sought first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, that you'll take care of me. And I've got some problems now, but I want to thank you that you're going to provide daily bread. And I pray that I have the courage to be able to walk through that thing. God, I'm in a mess. 
Maybe I need to go to another church. Maybe there's a better pastor somewhere. Yeah, oh, that's the, I'm glad you said that. Thank you so much. How do you pray? Let's explore this a little more. Let's go through what the scripture says now. Verse 10, the first thing he says is be strong. Everybody say be strong. But be strong in the Lord. And this is more than just discipline. But I also want you to see it as a command. When the Bible says, love your neighbor. When the Bible says, uh, love your wife. When the Bible says, thou shalt not steal. I mean, these are commands. These are imperatives. So here it says, be strong, which implies that I can find strength, but the strength that's not just my own. And this is particularly true when when I need to endure. When I'm suffering something for a long time and my problem has lasted a long time, you know, I, 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 I faced, a, faced a battle several years ago and it just kind of grew and got way better. But every once in a while it still kind of pops up and it just, I, I just hate to go back and deal with it. But I have to find the strength to endure. And what the Bible says, this strength comes from the Lord. It is in the strength of His might. And this is what I want you to see as a beginning. As we would exercise our faith, we can believe that God will help us find strength that is beyond our own ability. Now, how do we do that? His next reply, verse 11, you find this strength when you put on the armor of God. And this armor of God, to put on, it's a metaphor for like putting on your clothes. But in this case, it means you put on equipment for battle. When I got up this morning, I, I put on my pants, I, I put on a belt, and I buttoned my shirt, and then I, I put on this jacket when I, came in, when, I, when I came in the pulpit. And in the same way that we put on these clothes, somehow, and this is a bit abstract, but somehow we put on this spiritual armor, and it gives us strength so we can pray more effectively. And I'll do my best to help this become more understandable to us. But the reason we have this armor is so we can stand against the schemes of the devil. We can stand against what what Satan is doing. Verse 12, we're reminded that our fight is not against flesh and blood. What does that mean? That is that the people are not the problem. Now, they have to be addressed on a human level, but they're not the problem. I have prayed a number of times for a woman. Her name is, I believe it's Cecile or Cecilia Richards. She's the head of Planned Parenthood. She's the daughter, I believe, of Ann Richards, the former governor of Texas a number of years ago. And she's the uh, Planned Parenthood director, and her whole life is given towards uh, providing as many abortions as she can in America and around the world and keeping as much government money coming into the coffers. That's her job. That's what she's going to do. Well, my friends, she is not the problem behind the abortion industry. She needs our prayer. Come on. Just like the the woman, uh, Norma, Norma McCovey. That was the original Roe versus Wade. She recently passed away. The original court case that went through the Supreme Court. She was converted to a Christ, to Christianity and then began to defend the very thing that she tried to you know promote was abortion. She turned around and said, "Hey, look, we need to stop doing this." How did that happen? It's because God converted her heart. So, so we should never get angry at people that are being pawns, unknowingly or knowingly, in the hand of the evil one. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we're wrestling against these four things. Rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over the present darkness, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This cosmic power of darkness. Do you think there's a cosmic power of darkness at work in America? Boy, I do too. Just let me ask you, just rationally, just a moment. Why would the nations of the world want to head towards globalism and a one world government? 
when the Bible talks about that government being led by the Antichrist in the end of the world. It is illogical, but there's a political stream pushing us in that direction. Why does Hollywood push so much immorality? They'll make more money off family-oriented, decent films, but they have to drop the F-bomb. They have to put a lot of sex in it, make it as diverse as possible. Why do they do that? When, when there's shootings in our, our nation, God forbid, the, the mass shooting at Sandy Hook and other places, immediately all the actors come out and they demand government gun control, but then they continue to produce the films and the music, come on, and all these things that provide an industry for kids to play video games and, and, and life is meaningless. There's cosmic forces of evil that are at work in the world according to the Bible. Now, the word stand, when we put on this armor so we can stand, stand means to successfully resist. So the Bible says when you're facing a spiritual challenge, God wants to give you strength to get through to the other side of it. It doesn't mean it'll be easy, but God can help you with this because we're not battling people but, but spirits to do evil things is what one translation says. Let me give you an example of what I believe how these forces are at work. Are you familiar with the, uh, it's a new Senate bill, SB6. It's called a privacy bill, state of Texas. Uh, others call it a bathroom bill. Uh, this week I was in Austin. I was invited to a pastor's briefing as the Senate was, was, was receiving public input on this. There were hundreds of people in favor of this transgender bathroom bill. And, of course, there were many that were going saying, no, we don't believe this is the right moral direction for the country to head. I, I met someone I never thought I would meet there. I met Moses in the state capitol. And Moses, I was so intrigued by his sign, he said, let my people go to the bathroom. I thought, well, Moses, who's stopping you from going to the bathroom? Now, that's all kind of a joke. It's, it's a little bit in jest. But listen, you're being told and I'm being told in America through some strategy that because of somewhere between 0.3 and 0.6% of the American population is transgender, their civil rights are violated because they can't use the restroom, the bathroom, the locker room of their choice. And you're bad if you say that there's something wrong with that. I suggest to you that 99% of the people in America deserve privacy, decency, and protection. But the battle is not about a transgender person. I go out of my way. We have several transgendered people that come or have come to our church. I go out of my way to welcome them because I want to love them with the same love that God gave me. We've had people join our church, and I'm not bragging, I'm just being, telling you. We have had people join our church because of the kindness I showed to a transgender person at the door. But see, the world tells us that's hate speech. I suggest to you it's a part of a demonic strategy. And these, even the medical community, the term has been for, uh, for a long time gender confusion. And it's just troubling in our world today. But I suggest to you there's a goal behind this that's bigger than the bathroom but a goal to destroy our culture that's built on a biblical understanding of sex, or human sexuality. The Bible says in Genesis 1.27, God created them male, say it with me, and female. Male and female, not the 40 or so gender choices that Facebook offers us. So this is a cultural thing that goes on, but I suggest to you there's a spiritual influence behind it, and we respond to it with both boots on the ground and our voting and those kind of things. We love people, but we also respond in prayer because that's where the battle is. Now, verse 13, let's get specific. Therefore, Scripture says, take up. 
Therefore, if you want to find God's strength through this spiritual armor so you can stand against evil, take up or put on the whole armor of God so you may be able to do what? Withstand in the evil day. Withstand, it, it, it means uh, as long as the enemy attacks you, you can resist, you can hold your ground so you can withstand in the evil day and having done all, do what? Stand. So the picture in this scripture is not a microwave, devil leave me alone. But what it is, it's a picture of a Christian warrior standing against evil based on truth and the love of God as long as it takes until the battle is over. And that's what we're called. We're called Christian soldiers. Now, verse 14, stand. Here again you see this word. And stand implies... If your marriage is falling apart and you just don't think you can make it anymore, come on, but both of you are professing Christians, take a step back so you can regain spiritual strength and then come back and stand some more. Don't just quit. And let me give you some hope that there is hope that you can work through the difficulties that are around us. This is, this is someone asked me last night, said, Pastor, how do I stand when it's so hard to do? When it takes a long time. I said, listen, well, the first thing, you've got to have a daily time with God when God is feeding you. Number two, you've got to have a prayer life where you engage with God. But number three, you need spiritual people in your life. You need Christian friends. This is one reason we're here today, not just listen to someone teach the Bible, but to foster relationships so we can help and encourage one another in the battle. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Now, let me go over these kind of quickly. Verse 14, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Here's the first one. Now, what does that mean? I mean, do I, do I sing the song like the kids did earlier and put it on? Maybe there's something to that. You cannot, listen, go to Walmart and buy an outfit and put the plastic suit on and be ready to fight. But in your prayer, truth is the first thing that was mentioned. Truth, by definition, simply means that which is right is according to God's standard. That which is correct. How do I know which side of an issue to be on in today's culture and society, friends? My question is simple. What does the Bible say? What is God's clear direction for the issues? We stand with truth. And this is huge that in my prayers, how do I even know what to pray for? Well, I want to pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Well, that's truth unfolded by the word of God and by the spirit of the Lord. Now, the second thing is the breastplate of righteousness. So it simply means when I'm praying the truth of God's word, God hears that just like he did the prayers of Daniel and God comes to intervene. Now, the breastplate... It was, and of course you can't see it in that hazy picture, picture there, but the breastplate was like tough leather or metal, and it was intended to protect your most vulnerable parts, but here it's called the breastplate of what? Righteousness. Now let me ask a Christian, uh, 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 as, a, as a Christian, what is the source of my righteousness? It's not my good deeds, and here's where we get messed up. How many know we're supposed to do good things, but many times we don't? I, I have a, a new friendship that I'm involved in trying to, to, to influence a friend for Christ. And I, I asked him, we talked about church, and I don't go anymore. And I said, well, why don't you go? He said, well, I just didn't like to see the hypocrisy when people who said one thing on Sunday and live one day on Monday, so I, I quit going. Now, I didn't do it. I apologized for it. But I'm telling you, it matters the way that we live. 
our greatest testimony is not what comes out of our mouth. It's not, it's not the pulpit on, on Sunday, but it's the pulpit on Monday. Are you with me today? It's how we live our life. But that's not the source of our righteousness. Our righteousness is what the Bible calls an imputed righteousness that God gives to us when we receive Christ receiving His righteousness. You see, when God forgives my sin, He declares me righteous. He justifies me just as if I'd never sinned. This is the uniqueness of Christianity is Christianity offers right standing with God because of what Christ has done. So when you and I go to the place of prayer, and I feel this, a lot of times I don't feel worthy to pray. I feel condemned. I feel shame. When I put on this breastplate of righteousness, I pray in boldness because Christ has given this to me as a gift. Are you with me today? Uh, Verse 15, as your shoes for your feet, put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Interesting here. Now, obviously, the gospel, the good news, the love of God expressed uh, through the cross where Jesus was crucified, dead, and buried, it is the message of salvation to the whole world that motivates us. And just like Daniel was on a mission and an angel came to help him, as we're on this gospel mission, God is there to help us. But maybe these shoes also, uh, for example, the Romans, uh, if you play baseball, how many know running the bases in tennis shoes, you slip and fall? But if you run with cleats, you have traction. And the Roman shoes would have literal, somehow, either between the sole or through the but they would have like a, 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 like a nail that was through it so they could get traction to stand. And perhaps this is what the Scripture is talking about because when you're in a spiritual fight, how many know you feel like quitting after a while? I mean, when Linnell battled, battled breast cancer, and thankfully, you know, that's behind her. She got another clean bill of health uh, just a few weeks ago from her oncologist. Well, the first 10 days, we didn't know up from down. But finally, we woke up one day and we said, you know what? We're going to fight back. If Satan tries to steal from us, come on, we were just putting our shoe ready. If he tries to hit us, we're going to hit back. We're going to give more to missions. We're going to build more churches. We're going to see more people come to Christ. We're going to push back. And it was something about a decision and anchoring our feet. This phrase, the readiness uh, uh, given by the gospel, this readiness of mind. This is an attitude in prayer. It means it's like a soldier advancing into battle. It's what Mel Gibson had in Braveheart when he's standing on the line there and they're ready to attack. Uh, there was another movie uh, about a Roman, uh, Russell Crowe was, was a general in the Roman army. And I mean, they're getting ready, ready to battle this horde of pagans. Uh, he'd sent out an emissary and they cut the guy's head off. Come on now. Your buddy comes riding back on a horse when he's, when he's uh, ropes are holding him on and his head's been cut off and a little fear goes through the camp. Russell Crowe, about 5'10", just walks through that crowd and he's just knocking these six foot five guys and tucking on them and saying, we're fixing to go take them. We're going to put it on them. I mean, you could just feel the strength of character coming out of this man. And he made them ready to fight. And that's exactly the mindset that the Bible talks about. Too often we go to God begging. We go to, listen, I've begged God before. But we, we go like that guy saying, poor me, rather than going with the guy that's clothed with faith. Look at verse 16. In all circumstances. Can you say all? All. This word means at all times, always take up the shield of faith. This Roman shield, about two and a half feet, four feet, uh, wood wrapped in leather and then dipped in water. 
the shield, it says, it can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, what is faith? Faith believes God hears and faith believes God will act. And I would suggest to you, the Bible says this, is, this was uh, one of the most important parts is the confidence that we have in God. Now, listen, let me give you an example about praying with faith. Let's say, now I've had three kids, and they've all turned out pretty good. Um, I, I never woke up in the middle of the night and found one not in their bed. Now, I, I might have missed something, so if I miss something with some of my kids, please don't tell me. Let me live in this state of innocence, okay? But some of you know what it's like to go in the bedroom at 2 in the morning and your child is not there. Some of you know what it's like to have the policeman call you. Some of you know what it's like every time you hear a siren that fear comes over you because you know your kid is drinking, you know there's drugs in your, in your kid's life. And you get up at 2 in the morning and you just go in their room and just collapse in tears. I understand the pain. But I'm telling you this, friend, what happens after the tears stop? Do you just say, oh, God. I don't know what to do. Or after you've cried a bit, do you go in their room and say, Father, I want to thank you that this child has been dedicated to God since their birth. I want to say thank you that the scripture says if I raise this child in the way they should go when they're old, they're not going to depart from it. And I want to stand today in Jesus' name, and I want to stand on behalf of my son, and I just speak the words of life to him, that he's coming out of darkness and he's coming back into this home, that he's going to serve the Lord with gladness and joy, that he's going to live and not die. Now you say, ooh, that's a little emotional. Well, it needs a little emotion sometimes, more than just tears. You need to get angry. Come on, when you're going to fight in a battle, you need to get angry because we're not helpless. According to what I read you, there is strength that comes from God. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. What in the world does that mean? Of course, the helmet protected your head. Perhaps... This is included because of our ownership. We belong to Christ. We're adopted in the family of God. Listen, and there's authority behind our name as Christians. When I was a child, I was raised in a real small in the country between two little bitty towns in Mississippi. And there was a little store. It was called J.D.'s Country Store. And we'd go buy candy, and my granddaddy would buy beer. And, I mean, you know, that was just kind of the place where we went. Uh, I mean, he might keep cheese until it got that thick with, the, uh, with mold on it. But it was just a little bit of the old country store. And I found that I could charge things. And all I had to do is go in and just write granddaddy's name on that. And I could get almond joys, and I could get candy and whatever else. Now, I didn't have any money. But it was the authority, come on now, of granddaddy's name because J.D. knew that granddaddy paid his bills. I'm telling you, when you put on this helmet of salvation, you've been adopted into the kingdom of God. You're not, you're, listen, you're not some sinner just hoping you get to heaven. You are a child of God. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the... Now, why would this be included? Is it possible because the Word of God has power? Hebrews 4.12, it says the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. So where does this word work? Jesus used the word of God. Remember the 40-day temptation? When Satan tempted him, what did Jesus do? Three times he pulled out the book of Deuteronomy and he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. And I want to suggest to you, Satan's not, intempted, uh, not intimidated by the level of, or volume of your voice but that he will bow before the name of Jesus and the word of God. I'm telling you, friends, when you're in a spiritual battle, that's when it matters.
if all your little kids are around the table and everybody's happy and everything is great, you can just pray and it may not mean much. But when your kid's out of the house at 2 in the morning, come on now, or the deputy knocks on the door, or you have to go down to the jailhouse and they're addicted and they're strung out and they don't want to go to school and nobody knows how to help them. Come on, the youth pastor can't help them, the sheriff can't help them, and the teacher certainly can't help them. There's something more than the school of success what they need. They need to have an encounter with the living God. And I'm telling you, you can pray and get to the other side. Well, it's not just me telling you. The Bible is telling you this in Ephesians chapter 6. Well, let me close with this, verse 18. Praying. Everybody say that. Praying. That's, that's, that's everything we've talked about so far. Truth, salvation, righteousness. So I can pray at all times. And how do I pray? So is it possible that I can pray out of the Spirit too? Well, sure it is. What this literally means is whatever you're doing, pray. As the Spirit prompts you to pray, and then he goes on to say, so to that end, keep alert, that is in your prayers, sensing the Lord with all perseverance. What does perseverance mean? Perseverance means I put my foot in the ground. And listen, son, whether you live like this for a day, a week, a month, a year, five years, or ten years, Mama's never going to stop praying because I have been given the shield of faith and the Word of God. I'm clothed with the righteousness of God. I, listen, I'm a child of God praying for you, and I'm praying with truth today, son, and I'm going to stand till we see the battle through because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy, worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet with me this morning? And listen, I hope I did more than just stir you today. I hope that I offered you something to use when you're in the battle. Now, before you turn off, just a second. Now, I know we'll have lunch in just a minute, but, but, but stay tuned in just a minute. You remember when Jesus taught about the parable of the, of the sower? Remember the sower was, was like a farmer sowing seeds, and the seed was the word of God. Some seeds fell on good soil, which was the goal, and that seed came up, and it brought forth a great crop a hundredfold. But the first type of seed he described was seed that fell on the, on the pathway, on the side of the road. And Jesus said, birds came and ate it. And then his disciples said, what did you mean by that? And he said, people hear the word of God. And listen, Jesus said, and the devil takes the seed of the word away. Why do I share that right now? Because I want to encourage you to very deliberately endeavor to hide this in your heart. Because this is the way to fight a spiritual battle. Listen, it is important. Listen, I believe it's important to pray with people around the altar. We'll do that for you. But nothing can substitute your own personal prayer life. You're covering for your family. Listen, husband, for covering your wife, covering your children, covering your home. There's nothing more important than this type prayer. Because sometimes the best the world offers is not enough. Thank God for lawyers and doctors and bankers and supplements and everything in the world that helps make our life better. But at some point, they can't do everything that's needed. How many know that's when you need to stand in your Christian faith, not having given up on God and not having lost it, but continuing to believe God that His strength comes through us. Could we pray a minute? And maybe if you could pray for yourself and say, Lord, would you let this get down in me? Because all we did today was talk about the reality of the spirit world from Daniel and then read eight simple verses. And these verses told us that when we're in a spiritual battle, strength is available for that battle so we can stand and not quit. And we don't have to falter. So Holy Spirit, would you increase my understanding of, of truth? 
Would you increase my understanding of the power that I'm, I'm righteous because of Christ? I don't ever have to back away. Would you increase my understanding and commitment to my purpose, which is the gospel shoes I wear? Would you help me, Lord, with this, my helmet of salvation? I'm your child. I speak with your authority when I pray. Would you help me, Lord, never drop the shield of faith, no matter what the circumstances are? Would you help me, Lord, have the word of God in my hand and on my lips, that it's deep in my heart, so that when it comes time to pray, I'll know what to pray as I pray the word of the living God. Help us, Holy Spirit, today. Help us today. And I particularly pray, Lord, for those of us that are in trouble right now, those of us that are in some kind of spiritual attack. This wouldn't be just a nice sermon they heard. God, it would become the life-giving source of the strength of God Almighty. Having done all, we're going to stand strong. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hey, let's close this way. We're going to have one last song. And hang with me just a second as they sing this and dismiss. But we want to make a place to pray for you. Maybe if you're here today and something in this message really resonated with you, maybe, maybe you're under spiritual attack. And I mean, you're in a fight. Uh, maybe you've been fighting and you've, you've given up because it's just hard. Or you feel like giving up. Could we just pray for you today? Maybe you have that child I was talking about or your spouse. Is someone in your world is wandering from God and, and you want to, to agree in prayer. Remember Jesus said if two of us would agree in prayer, is touching anything. Jesus himself said it would be done. That's what this is about, this prayer time at the front. The most important thing we'd like to pray about is your relationship with God. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, i got to be honest with you. I don't even know if I die today, if I go to heaven or hell. And the things you talked about a spiritual battle are real, but, but my real need is for a real relationship with God. See, it's something I didn't know as a boy. I didn't know that, 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 that I could know God in a personal way. I, I thought you just went to church and tried to be good. I didn't realize God wanted, could, could allow me to be born again and have a spiritual rebirth. It was far greater than just a, a New Year's resolution. But it was God literally coming to be a part of my life. He said, how do I do that? Very simple, friend. You're at a spiritual crossroads right now. You just choose to follow Christ. You choose to surrender your life to Jesus and ask for his forgiveness. It's not joining a church, but it's surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. If you're here today and say, Pastor, you're talking to me now. I'm not where I need to be in my relationship with God, but I want to be. And I want to make a step to Christ today. I'm tired of the way I've been living. I'm ready to get my life right with God. If that's you, would you just lift your hand real quickly, wave it at me? Just say, pray for me, Pastor. Pray for me. I want to get my life right with Christ today. Anyone today say, pray for me. I want to give my life to the Lord. All right, here's what we're going to do. Our prayer team is going to come to the front right now. And if you want prayer for anything in this last song, they'd be honored to pray with you. Come as they come right now. Let us pray for you. And if you want to make that step to Christ, you come and one of these men or women will be here for you. I promise you never regret it. I love you. Thanks for being here tonight. We got prayer in the sanctuary tonight at 6 o'clock. God bless you. King of my Be the wind inside my sails The anchor in the waves Oh, yes, my song Let the King of my Be the fire inside my veins The echo of my days, oh, yes, my song is you are a good, a good, oh, you are a good.
prayer team's going to remain around front. And they'll pray with you about anything this morning that you need. But if you don't, hey, you're free to be dismissed. God bless you. And hope you have a wonderful week. Look forward to seeing you next week. Because you are a good